You're listening to Summit Podcasts, where you'll find sermon audio, weekly discussions of the message, the Back 40 Leadership Podcast, and much, much more. Subscribe today at summitpodcast.church and share this episode with your friends. Summit Church, every life made different. Well, we are going to start in John 15, which is where we've been um, this whole time uh, in this series. And so today we're wrapping it up. If you've missed the rest of the series, I encourage you to go back and watch it, Mel. Mel um, preached the majority of the sermons, and then um, some of our team did a five for five where they preached on five of the fruits of the Spirit for five minutes, and they did a great job. But I'm wrapping it up today with the fruit of self-control. And so some of you may say, well, Kim, um, how in the world do I develop fruit? And so that's what we're going to talk today. And I believe self-control is one of those fruits that, that we try to do on our own. We try to muster up on our own. But today we're going to learn how it's not anything having to do with us. It's all about the work of Jesus that he does through us. Um, but John 15, 5 through 8 says, Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. The whole goal for our Christian life, our whole goal for following Jesus is to bear much fruit, to display his glory, not our own here on this earth while we walk the face of this earth. And fruit is simply a result of something, like right? An apple tree cannot bear oranges. An orange tree cannot bear apples. Christ followers should be bearing fruit that represents they are Christ followers. When you declare that you are a Christian, just like the ones who were baptized today, there should be fruit that begins to be seen in your life by those around you. And again, it's not fruit that's mustered up by willpower or on your own, but it's by the power of the Holy Spirit. And the way that we display fruit, the way it's produced in us is by abiding in Jesus. We can't bear fruit without knowing who it is that we're serving. We can't bear fruit without being a part of who he is. And so just like the branches of a grapevine have to be connected um, to the vine in order to bear grapes, the fruit of the Spirit is evidence of being connected to Christ. When you see fruit in a Christ follower's life, you can point and say, they follow Jesus. I see the fruit. And so it always concerns me when I, ha I hear someone say that they're a Christ follower, but they're not bearing fruit. It shows me that they're disconnected from the vine, the one who gives the fruit. In Galatians 5, through 23 are where the list of the fruits of the Spirit are, but I'm going to open my actual paper Bible and read just a few verses before that. I know Mel read it um, early on in the series. But starting in 5.16, it says, I say then, walk in the Spirit, 
and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. Now I won't ask for a show of hands, but I am almost certain that many of us in this room today do things that we do not want to do. Right, that we cave to the lust of the flesh. And so the Spirit is there to help us not to do that. Continuing in verse 18, it says, But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. And then he begins to list them. Adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousy, outbursts of wrath, Selfish ambition, dissension, heresy, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like of which I tell you beforehand, which he's basically saying, and all sin, like, I'm not going to list it all, but everything that is related to sin. Just as I also told you in time past that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And then we get into the but. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. So if we go back to verse 17, it talks about how our flesh, what we want, right? We all what we want. Our flesh craves things. It craves addictions. It craves notoriety. It craves pride. It craves anything that will, we think will feed us. Um, it craves. And so, but the flesh desires the exact opposite of what Jesus wants for you. It craves the exact opposite of what the Holy Spirit wants for you. And what he wants is the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, pace, Pace, well, not pace, <laughs> but combined peace and patience. Those are tongue twisters, but that's what he desires for us. So bottom line, we cannot be led by our flesh and be walking in the spirit because they are in conflict one, with one another. Um, Self-control, the Greek word for it means the virtue of one who masters his desires and passions, especially his sensual appetites. And I think a lot of times, like when I was preparing for this sermon, I, I thought, like, how do I normally think of self-control? Like, what do I think self-control is? And I think many of you probably think this way, too. I think of a person that is self-controlled, I automatically think of their physical appearance. Um, I think they're physically fit, right? They go to the gym every day. They're, they're disciplined, right? They, they eat only organic food. They eat only protein and no carbs. They, they fuel their body with only green food and meat, you know, and they also have these perfectly organized homes and everything is color coded and their office desk is always neat and tidy. And they just look like they have it all together. Like the things that we save on our Insta stories. Um, you know, like that's the life I want. I want that self-controlled life. But that's not what Paul is talking about here. That's not the fruit of self-control because that you can do on your own. 
for the most of us. Like the, if we really willed ourselves into an eating plan and being disciplined, like we could do that on our own. But this fruit of self-control is only something that the fruit of the, that the fruit of, you know, God can bear, that only the spirit can bear in our lives. See, Jesus calls us to an upside down life. So anything you see in scripture that you might relate to the world, it's the complete opposite. He means the complete opposite of what we may think of in worldly terms. Because the thing is, is with Jesus, the fruit of self-control does not mean being a control freak. It does not mean having awesome willpower. It does not mean being in control and controlling everything in your sight. It does not mean trying harder. It actually means surrender. It actually means saying, God, I want what you want for my life more than what I want. It's the virtue of one who masters his desires and passions, especially his sensual appetites. See, what I know about this world is our sensual appetites get turned on at a very young age. Like it, Kids want what they want, right? They don't want to share. They don't, they, they want food when they want it and they let you know about it. And if they want candy, they'll tell you that too. They want to be selfish, right? Those appetites are turned on at a very young age. And, and so it's part of our flesh. But when we give our lives to Jesus, we're saying, not my will, but your will be done. Proverbs 25, 28 says a person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. Tim Keller, who is the pastor and was a theologian, um, he passed away a few weeks ago, um, but he I learned so much from him. But he said, self-control is the ability to pursue the important over the urgent rather than to always be impulsive or uncontrolled. The slightly surprising counterfeit is a willpower which is based on pride, the need to feel in control. So we're taught in this world to be in control, get our stuff together, right? We're, and then we get real prideful about it. Like, look at me, look how, uh, you know, we post pictures about how good we are and how much willpower we have and how disciplined we are. But that's not the fruit of self-control. It's not based on willpower. It's based on being controlled by the Spirit, not in a way that we're his slaves, but in a way that we say, not my will, but your will be done. So today we're going to talk about how we develop the fruit of self-control. And my points come straight from the following verses in Galatians 5, 24 through 26. And it says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. So point number one comes from verse 24. Uh, we remember whose we are. When we are um, surrendering our lives and we are wanting to bear the fruit of self-control in our lives, we remember that we belong to Jesus. Our lives are no longer our own. 
We count the cost. We remember that he died for us, that he came to forgive us and set us free and and give us liberty. He came to give us grace and mercy freely and our lives are no longer our own. Just like those who are baptized today, they signify that they are now dead in Christ, (laughs) you know, and that no longer they live, like Paul said, no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. I'm fueled and powered by the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. And as Christ followers, we should be looking like him. If we're going to say, I am a Christian, then we should be devoted to following the ways of Jesus Christ. Our lives should reflect his character, his nature. Just like you reflect your family's culture, you know, some of you don't like that. You don't want to reflect the culture of your family. And some of you have had to kind of break free from that and, and, and your walk with Christ have had to learn who he says you are. But anytime I'm doing premarital counseling with a couple, we always talk about their families of origin because we know that their family of origin affects how they do holidays. You know, I remember our very first holiday married, Mel and I had kind of big disagreements over what Christmas was supposed to look like because my family did it one way and his family did it the other. The same with Thanksgiving. My family went all out with traditional Thanksgiving food and his family didn't. And I was like, you're not doing Thanksgiving right, you know? But it's the same way when you become a follower of Jesus and you're spending time with him, a natural outflow should be that you are bearing fruit that looks like him. Titus 2, 11 through 14 says, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. I don't know um, about you, but I know we all, well, I think we all can agree the world's going crazy. There are crazy things that we're having to navigate. And, um, but, but the world's always been crazy. There's always been evil. There's always been sexual sin. There has always been lust of the flesh. There's always been people doing really crazy things. And so in these times where the book of Titus was written, you know, he says, um, that I'm, that Jesus is training us. So it's not like, We become a Christian and he's like, okay, figure it out. Good luck out there. No, he trains us. He trains us how to handle situations. He trains us how to handle um, ungodliness and, and what's going on in the world. He trains us how to respond. He trains us how to live uh, self-controlled, upright and godly lives in these circumstances. See, I know Pastor Jim Hennessy said it a few weekends ago, but But he said, you know, something like, God, it's not a surprise to God that you are alive in this season, in this age, in this decade with these problems. 
which means that God purposed you to be on this earth during this season. And for what reason? Because he knows he can teach you how to walk it out. And he knows he can teach you how to live a godly life through it all. He knows he can teach you how to lead others to Jesus through it all. You have been destined to be on earth right now in this season for a purpose. He doesn't just leave us. He tells us, he prompts us, he shows us how to do it. But we have to clothe ourselves with him. Romans 13, 14 says, clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord and don't let yourself think about ways to indulge your evil desires. Yeah. Sometimes I'll meet really sweet people, and I like to think I'm sweet, but who are like, I've been a Christian all my life. I'm like, really? You were saved when you were born? I didn't know you could do that. Like, I haven't ever sinned. I'm like, honey, you're lying to yourself. Because the only perfect person that's ever walked this earth is Jesus Christ. So you have gossiped. You have talked bad about somebody at some point. You have fought with a family member. Or maybe you fought inside. There's... You have a sin nature. At one point, you had to decide to follow Jesus and that you weren't him and that you needed him. So when we have our flesh rise up, when we have the desire to to just let someone have it, the Holy Spirit says, hey, I'm here. There's another way. Let me redirect you into a a plan that a way to respond where it will bring life and not death where we bring blessing and not cursing but we have to be clothed with his presence and the only way we can be clothed with his presence is to choose to be in his presence yes he's always with us he never leaves us he never forsakes us but we have to willingly choose every single day that we want to abide in him and that we want to be in step with him See, Jesus was the perfect demonstrator of self-control. And of course he was. He was fully God, but he was also fully man. And we see in scripture where he was headed to the cross and he was praying and he was crying and he was saying, Lord, take this cup from me. This is going to be hard. This is going to be painful. Physically, but also emotionally, People are going to mock me. They're going to spit at me. They're going to beat me till I die. They're going to hang me on a cross. Father, take this cup from me. Most of us, I would say majority of us, would have been like, I'm out. I'm not going to that cross. But Jesus then follows it up with, Father, not your, my will, but your will be done. And he yields himself to the spirit of the fruit of self-control. And aren't we thankful he did? Because if Jesus would not have yielded himself to the fruit of self-control, we wouldn't have the ability to know him. We wouldn't have the ability to have hope in a future. We wouldn't have the ability to be set free from our sins or to be forgiven. Aren't we thankful that Jesus had self-control? Number two, We nail our passions and desires of our sinful nature to his cross. 
See, I think this is where we get really caught up. And I, I used to be there, and sometimes I still will catch myself saying things like, I just need to try harder. I just need to try harder. I just need to do better. It can be really hard on ourselves. In fact, as I was preparing for this message, I really felt like the Holy Spirit said to me, Kim, there are people that are going to be listening to this message that are physically harming themselves in order to try better and to do better and to bring in self-control into their lives. Whether it's eating disorders, whether it's cutting you know what it is, and I know it doesn't apply to everyone in this room, but, but you are physically hurting yourself in order to subdue your flesh into what you think God has for you. And that is not the way of Jesus. That is not the fruit of self-control, and he wants to bring you freedom today. See, in order to gain self-control, we have to surrender. Again, it's a totally opposite life. The world says self-control is control everything in sight. <laughs> control what you eat, control your home, control how you do things, control other people. It says control. But Jesus says surrender. We have to surrender our fleshly desires to Holy Spirit. We have to get honest with him. We have to say just like we see in scripture so much, especially Paul talks about it so much, that man, my, my flesh is weak. Jesus said, my flesh is weak. And Jesus, I, I want to go out and get drunk. I want to watch that show even though I know you're telling me not to. I want to read that book even though I know it doesn't bring you glory. See, our flesh wants what we want, but when we surrender those desires and we're honest about them with him, he says, okay, now I can do something with that. Now I can begin to steer you in the right direction. When our flesh, again, it cries out to do what it wants to do and we deny it and we take hold of what the Holy Spirit is guiding us into, that is what self-control is. And we can't take credit for it because it's not by our own doing. We'll also say things like, it's just my personality. This is just how I am. Or this is how my family is. Or one I hear so often is, I'm just not wired like that. But the Spirit says the opposite. We also hear people say, I, I just can't help myself. I just can't help it. But again, we can't will ourselves into displaying the fruit of self-control. There's no amount of trying hard enough. There's no amount of doing better to birth the real deal, to birth the fruit of self-control. We have to surrender, allow the Holy Spirit to do his work in our hearts and for Jesus to transform our lives. See, I had this leader one time, this um, boss I worked for, and, and he was a Christian he had an anger problem, and he would throw things when he was angry in our offices. And um, he would say, I'm just passionate. I'm like, yeah, passionate about being hateful and scaring all of us. He wasn't bearing the fruit of self-control in those moments. Instead, he blamed it on his passions, which Scripture says 
need to die, right? But we all do it. We all do it. We all struggle with self-control and to some extent or the other. I think a lot of times we tend to focus on controlling the outward, just like I talked about earlier. We're made up of body, mind, and spirit. And every book you have, every self-help book you read is all about controlling the outward and your mind, but not necessarily about your spirit man. So we buy and spend thousands of dollars on self-help and the new diet plan and the new 21 days to renew your mind and to think and grow rich, right? And some of that works, right? Because renewing your mind is scriptural. But we focus on the physical man and the mind, the soul, but we neglect the spirit man. And that is the most important part because see here, when we begin to feed our spirit, when we begin to take seriously our walk with Jesus, when we begin to really know who he is and what he says about us, and we start to read the word of God for the first time, and we, we start to pray for the first time, and we make it a discipline in our lives, not in a way that's boring, but in a way that it's like, I really wanna get to know you and to know what this is all about. That is when everything else comes into alignment. That's when our physical comes into alignment. That's when our mind comes into alignment. But we cannot neglect our spirit man. The third point is, is we live by the spirit. So since we are living by the spirit, let us follow the spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Do y'all know as followers of Jesus, that you have access to the Holy Spirit and to Jesus and to Father God, who is literally the most powerful force in the universe. And when you are a follower of Jesus Christ, they reside in you. That's why Jesus said to his followers, to us, greater things will you do. And I'm going to leave, but I'm giving you something better. I'm giving the Holy Spirit. You have a power that is available to you on a daily basis that you aren't activating, that I forget to activate, that is available literally to get us out of situations. It says there's no temptation that he cannot help you overcome, literally none. In the moment when you call upon the Holy Spirit, he's like, all right, I hear you, get you out of here. I'm gonna make a way out of this for you. See, living by the Spirit is kind of like the car I own. I own a Kia. And um, it has like all of the security features. So it has like when I'm getting too close to someone and they're stopping without, you know, all of a sudden, without any warning, and I'm, the car thinks I'm about to hit the car in front of me, it makes this really obnoxious, loud beeping sound, and then it starts to break for me. And it's pretty jolting. Mel hates it. He wants to turn off all of the security features because he wants to live free. <laughs> he doesn't want the car to tell him what to do. I love it. I think it's great. Because I'm all about following the rules. And so I want it to like tell me when I'm about to mess up. It also, when I turn on the blinker, it'll tell me if there's someone in my blind spot and it won't, it, it will let me go over to the next lane, but it won't, it like gives you a pause. Like it, it, 
you know, you get to override it if you want. It also lets me take my hand off the steering wheel. And it, it has a button that I can push that I can take a break from holding the steering wheel for a little bit. Now I still have to push the gas pedal. I still have to engage the car. It's not a Tesla. I mean, it's not self-driving. When my mom, my mom has a Hyundai and hers does the same thing. And she's like, I have a self-driving car. I was like, no, 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 no. You do not. <laughs> still need to drive it, mom. But so I'll take my hands off the wheel and it will tell me, hey, Kim, put your hands on the wheel. It doesn't physically say my name, but it probably would if I told it to. But it makes a loud beeping sound again and says, take hold of the wheel. So it's kind of like the Holy Spirit in that you still have to do your part. See, the Holy Spirit doesn't just come and take over your life and do things for you. You still have to engage your spirit man. You still have to engage your physical man, your mind. You still have to engage and do your part. And then the Holy Spirit says, okay, now that you're surrendered, I'm going to tell you when you're getting off step. I'm going to show you which direction to go. I'm going to redirect you when you need redirecting. And Lord, I'm so thankful for that. It's also like a moving sidewalk at the airport. I love moving sidewalks. For those of you who have never flown, you're missing out on moving sidewalks. <laughs> I hate one of the New York airports because they are like a mile long from gate to gate. And um, so I'm pointing to someone that I magically see in the airport every time I travel um, from here. But there was one time right after I had back surgery, well, I had just been released in February to travel. And I hadn't done like heavy walking, but the, our connections, my original flight was delayed and I had like 30 minutes to get to the next gate. Well, this airport is nice and beautiful and new, but has no moving sidewalks. And B-26 isn't next to B-31 or whatever. I'm making it up. You would think, you know, it was literally a one-mile walk. And Emma has long legs, is 17, and I am recovering from spinal fusion surgery in a slower than normal and we are hustling and there's no moving sidewalks and we get to the gate and she's like mom are you okay like and she can hear me stomping because I'm like physically having to tell myself pick up your feet because my back was just like twisting and knots and we get there and we sink down and we're sweating and then here come the Charbaz running to the same gate as we are I'm like oh you had the mile long walk too but I love going to airports that have moving sidewalks because like the other night I got home, my flight was delayed. I arrived at Pittsburgh airport Saturday morning at 1 a.m. I'm by myself. I need to get to my car that's in 10 buck two. I'm a little nervous about going outside to find my car by myself. And so I'm wanting to get there quickly. And so I'm hustling and I'm on this moving walkway like, yes, I'm really going, you know? And um, I especially love it when Mel and Emma are with me because they are blessed with long legs and I have very short ones and how many short people in the room can identify with our legs do not move as far as someone who's 6'2 they just don't and so I love it when I'm with them because I can get on a moving sidewalk they can walk the normal path and I can keep up with them and I think I am conquering this 
I can even beat them sometimes. But I was so thankful for a moving sidewalk the other day because I was so tired, wasn't going to get home till 3 a.m., and I needed that extra power to help me get where I needed to go. But that's like the Holy Spirit. We still have to walk. We still have to do our part. But his power comes in and it fuels us, and we are able to do the things that he's called us to do, and we're able to have self-control when we sometimes lack it. Number four is we remember that it's not about us. Yeah, I think when we begin to bear fruit in our lives, it's easy to get prideful about it. It's easy to start thinking, ah, look at my fruit and how great I am. <laughs> Y'all know we're that way. Y'all know that we're, we get prideful and we get all puffed up. We're like, look at my fruit. I'm a better Christian than you are. And yes, the Bible says we are to judge one another based on our fruit, but not in a way that's condescending, not in a way that's comparison, not in a way that's conceited. But it says, let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. Because the fact is, no one in this room can bear fruit on your own. We all need the same thing. None of us can do it. It doesn't matter how wealthy you are. It doesn't matter how many gifts you have naturally. It doesn't matter how talented you are or the degree you have or the job you have. It does not matter. None of us can bear fruit on our own. We all need the same thing. We all need the power of the Holy Spirit. We all have to surrender. We all have to yield to him because we cannot bear fruit on our own. And if you could, you wouldn't need Jesus. 2 Corinthians three seventeen through 18 says, For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of God. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. See, I think our idea of freedom and our idea of bearing fruit in the natural is to do what we want to do, to make our own way in life. Oh, it's not going to hurt me. It's not going to damage me. But the thing is, is that sin always damages. Not only does it damage yourself, but it damages those around you. Sin always damages. It may look like fruit in the beginning, which is why so many people get caught up in new age practices, because it can look like fruit. It can look like light, but it leads you into an extremely dark place. I even remember several times in my life I was following Jesus. I was bearing fruit. But I would get conceited. And I would think, I've got it. I've got it. I don't struggle with sin anymore. Like, what? No. <laughs> we all still have a flesh nature that has to die. And I remember, not suddenly, but very slowly, slipping into sin 
and then getting somewhere and saying, how did I end up here? I was doing so good. But it's because I got caught up in self and thinking that I didn't need the Holy Spirit of every moment of every day. I am very aware that I can't even do this. I don't want to do this without his presence. Otherwise, it's just a TED Talk. We need his presence. We need his presence in our workplaces. We need his presence in our schools. We need his presence every single place we go. We need his presence in our homes. See, I think when we allow him to do the work in us and we begin to bear fruit, miracles happen. And the thing is, he wants much fruit for our lives. For every single one of you, he wants much fruit. Again, not based on societal status, not based on natural giftings. He wants as much fruit for you as he does to the person sitting five rows in front of you. He wants much fruit for every single one of us because it's not about us. It's about him getting the glory. It's about people taking notice that you are not the same person, that you are reacting in different ways than you used to react, that that there is a shift in your home because you are in the word of God. You are abiding in him and you are bearing fruit. There's a shift in your workplace because you are no longer that boss who throws things, but you are that boss who is saying, I see you. What's going on with you today? See, when you produce much fruit, it says, you are my true disciples. And this brings great glory to my father. I'm going to close with this quote from Tim Keller. I've quoted it before several years ago, and I just love it so much. It says, we must worship Christ with the help of the Holy Spirit, adoring him until our hearts find him more beautiful than the object we felt we had to have. As we do that, we'll put together our old Sark's nature, which is sin, to clearing room for the fruit of the Spirit to grow. And we will find that fruit growing, changing us more and more into the people we long to be and God desires us to be. I'm going to turn it over to Pastor Colin and Blairsville. I love you guys more than you know. So honored to be your pastor. For those of you here in the room, I just love for everyone in this room just to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I just want you to think for a moment. Am I fully surrendered? Do I make excuses for why I'm not bearing fruit? Am I punishing myself? Am I constantly trying to try harder? To do better? Have I just given over myself to my flesh and said I can do whatever it is that I want to do? Life is short. I just want to pray for us today. Jesus, I thank you that you see us. You see us as we are, and you love us as we are. 
you 100% accept us as we are, who died for who we are. You died for us when we are just totally wanting to indulge and live however we want. You love us at our very worst. But Jesus, you desire for us to know you. You desire for us to bear fruit because this Christian life is more than just going to heaven, but it's getting to make your name known here on this earth. It's getting to fulfill our purpose that you have created for us here on this earth. And Jesus, I pray that you would do in our hearts what only you literally can do, that we cannot will ourselves to do. And as we choose to surrender today, Holy Spirit, you would move in our lives in ways that we could have never imagined, in ways that other people can't imagine so that you can get the glory so that other people will come to know you Jesus have your way in these next few moments we just love for everyone to keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed and I just love to ask you you know maybe you're in here today and Maybe it's been a really long time since you've stepped foot into church and today you're here. Maybe you were like me where you were raised in church, you were a good person, but you lived a season of life where you just let yourself do whatever you want, however you wanted, whenever you wanted. And you found yourself in a place that you never imagined and Today, the Holy Spirit is calling you back. And you're wanting to renew that relationship with Jesus Christ today. He has freedom for you today. Or maybe you're in this room and you've never made that decision to follow Him. You've never surrendered your life to Jesus. But you know something in you is, is telling you right now to, to choose Him, to choose life, to choose a relationship with Him. I promise you don't know what you're missing until you choose to walk with Him. So maybe that's you today. And if you're one of those two people, on the count of three, I'd love for you to raise your hands and I'm going to pray with you this morning. One, two, three. Raise your hands if you want to make that decision today. Yes, I see you in the center. Thank you. And on the right, I see you. Thank you so much. You can put your hands down. I see you on the left. Thank you, Jesus. Can everyone in this room just repeat after me? Dear Jesus, I need you. I'm a sinner that needs forgiveness. I ask you today to come into my life. I ask you to be Lord of my life. I want to bear much fruit. I want my life to count here on this earth. 
thank you, Jesus, for dying for me. I choose you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we just celebrate with those who made that decision today? And we would love to walk with you on your journey because we already know this isn't a cakewalk. This is, surrender is not like, it is the most freeing thing in the whole world. Studies have shown that surrender causes anxiety to cease, causes fear to cease. It's the only act, and it's because it's what we're created to do. We're created to surrender to Him. So when we surrender our lives, it doesn't mean that our lives become perfect, but we need godly people in our lives to help us to get in the word with us to pray for us and so we want you to let us know that decision it's the most important decision you've ever made in your whole life and will ever make in your whole life because it affects your eternity and so we want to know about that today you can text the word summit pa to number 94000 or you can fill out the next steps card that's in the seat back in front of you um, some of our prayer team is going to be up here in just a moment and if you made that decision, I'd love for you to come pray with somebody. But also we have our next steps table out in the lobby that you can meet one of our staff there afterwards and take that card too. And they have um, a Bible if you don't have one. They also have other resources for you today. But for the rest of us, I'm gonna invite you to stand and I'm not gonna do a, like a hands up for who needs more self-control because <laughs> let's get honest, we all need more self-control. We all need the fruit of self-control. I haven't met a single human on this planet that doesn't need more self-control. So can we stand And what we're gonna do in these final moments? This is a holy moment. Is what I believe is going to happen in these next few moments as we begin to sing, as we begin to invite Holy Spirit to come into our lives, and as we begin to surrender. Some of you are gonna be filled to overflowing with the Spirit of God. We will also, again, have prayer team available if you need prayer for anything this morning. But Mel and I love you so much. We're so honored to get to be your pastors. If you enjoy this content, please let us know by rating and reviewing the podcast. You can also contact us at summitpodcast.church. Remember to share this episode with your friends and on social media. Summit Podcasts can be found on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're there. Thank you for listening to Summit Podcasts, and we will see you in the next episode.